It's the Cavaliers Basketball Club Podcast. And basketball time to kill. Love picks up Curry. Kyrie Irving from downtown. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. It's over. It's over. The 52 is over. The Cavaliers have won the NBA championship. Cleveland, this is for you. Sexton works on Irving. Hey. The shoot around. Welcome to the club. The Cavs regular season was just announced, which kind of makes me okay with how quickly the month of August has flown by. Are you as excited with this coming season as I am? I am, Adam. The Cavs have such an awesome young team, and we're anticipating a lot out of them. So the regular season schedule announcement just made me realize how much longer we have to wait. So the Los Angeles Lakers star LeBron James, maybe you've heard of him, has agreed to a two-year, $97.1 million contract extension that includes a player option for the 2024-25 season, which was announced by Clutch Sports CEO Rich Paul. What do we think about that? Anything at all? Congrats for LeBron. I mean, LeBron deserves all the money that he gets right now. He's the best player on the planet still, I would argue. Definitely the best player of his generation. I'm also glad that this happened because now everybody can kind of stop talking about it with him being linked to the Cavs. However, there is a player option in there, as you said, which is very intriguing to me because he could definitely pull the ripcord and bully his way onto another team or become a free agent again because of that player option, which I find very fascinating because I also know it could be around the same time that his oldest son, Bronny, would be entering the NBA. Am I acting to conspiracy theory here, Adam? No, with LeBron James, anything is possible. <laughs> anything is possible. Anything is possible. As Kevin Garnett announced. As he once so poetically proclaimed. <laughs> As we know, anything's possible with LeBron James. Clearly, he is a Laker for life, right? We heard that when Kobe Bryant died, that there was no way he was going to go anywhere after that. Um I don't know why a year later, two years later, we were talking about like it was possible. I mean, he, he keeps his promises. He's, he stays, he stays, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, there's no way he's going anywhere else. <laughs> and uh, good for him. You know, in Los Angeles County, that I've heard this. I have not lived there, but I've heard that nothing's given. Everything's earned. You work for what you have. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he's ready to accept the challenge the way that he was here. And he's, he's probably just excited that he just still gets to raise his daughter. Wait, no, I'm sorry. That's what he that's what he said in the letter when he came back here. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know how he feels about LA, but I'm glad he makes another 100 million. That's great. Good for him. Good job, LeBron. You earned it. Getting that coin. What do we think about the Cavs 2022 to 2023 regular season schedule? Well, as I mentioned at the top, I'm really happy that it's out. I know the preseason schedule was announced last week or a week and a half ago or so, 
I'm glad that we actually have some clarity and we can have some anticipation built into how the team will ebb and flow through the season. Obviously, anything can happen. Players could regress a little bit or other franchises could become better during the season like the Cavs did last year. So it's still a little bit of a mixed bag, but I was really happy that we finally could actually point to dates figure out exactly what the matchup was going to be and kind of anticipate that the Cavs might have a bit of a favorable schedule, especially compared to last season when they had the hardest schedule at the first half of the season. And a couple of my takeaways from the announcement were, one, we have nine nationally televised games, which we had, I believe, zero at the announcement last season. We finally snuck a couple in there, but nine is much better than zero. The other thing I noticed when you look through these schedules, you're trying to figure out when the home stretches will be because maybe two friends who don't live close to each other might want to see a game together. So that could happen. Or you're looking for an away stretch that you're thinking might be a tough road for the team and i noticed that november could be a bit of a struggle for the Cavs because the first full week of november the Cavs go out to detroit and then they go to la then sacramento then golden state so those are all tough teams except for hopefully maybe the detroit team and they're gonna be out on the west coast that entire trip now I kind of clocked that, but I also compared it to previous seasons where the Cavs would have had a a road stretch like that. It would have been closer to six or seven games on the road, and they would have been further away from Cleveland. On this road stretch, they're starting in Detroit, which is much more favorable, and they're going to be in LA for two days back to back right off the bat. So that should help them adjust a little bit with the travel time. And so I was kind of pleasantly surprised that the NBA built in some padding for the Cavs. And I'm hopeful they did that for other teams as well. But being completely biased, I am I was just kind of happy to see that they threw the Cavs a little bit of a bone because I know in previous seasons, the Cavs would have been on the road much longer and they wouldn't have had as much time to recover. And one little last note on that, they end that away stretch at home against Minnesota where last season, I feel like, again, they probably would have played that Minnesota game away so that would have been half the month that they would have been on the road and so i felt it kind of comforting what were some of your takeaways it's interesting that you pointed out the fact that it seems like they're not on the road as much that there's less long stretches of time that they're going to have to be out there um and i was reading that mark medina of nba.com was talking about how that the estimated miles traveled for the upcoming season has been reduced to about 41,000 miles per team, which apparently is a record low in the era of 30 teams and 82 games. That marks an estimated reduction of nearly 2,000 miles per team and a total of more than 50,000 miles from last season. So they also increased the instances of no travel between games by 66%. That's kind of a neat little tidbit that I I didn't even think about until I discovered the article. It's like, how cool that they're in between the games you know and all those other moments of life they're trying to find ways to manage these teams better 
and to make sure that they're getting the most out of the players and not taxing them by keeping them away from their families and from their homes longer than they have to be. I think that's something that we've t- we took for granted prior to COVID, and I'm hoping that society is waking up to that. And also with climate change and other issues, traveling, it's not as responsible as it used to be. And in many cases, even air flight may not be as reliable or as safe. So I like to see this when they're figuring out ways to manage this stuff better. So the Cavs are a benefit of this, clearly, because they're one of the 30 teams. And what we've seen so far, it's tough this time of year, obviously, to know what strength of schedule would be. Clearly, we know that the NBA has gotten across the board, I think, more competitive. I wouldn't say that anything is a cakewalk. We talk on here a lot about the Cavs you know, being in the top five. I know I'm always talking about them having a playoff run here one of these days. Obviously, that has a huge contingency based on injury and other factors, and these teams also have to go through that. So we'll see how that all pans out. You mentioned this, the Cavs gained some respect this year with nine national televised games, which is great. The fact that they had none last year at all, we mentioned several times, and we really felt that it was a slap in the face. So good on the NBA for recognizing that and making up for it. Then you have three games slated for ESPN. That's uh, February 10th against New Orleans, March 1st at Boston, and March 15th versus Philadelphia. You've got NBA TV games on November 7th at Los Angeles Clippers, December 26th versus Brooklyn. March 10th at Miami and March 21st at Brooklyn. So four games with NBA TV. That doesn't excite me as much, but hey, good for the Cavs. No Christmas game this year, but they will play on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which is January 16th. They will host the defending champion Golden State Warriors four days later on January 20th. They'll be at home on Easter April 9th against the Charlotte Hornets, which will conclude the regular season. So those were kind of the bullet points that I noticed. One final one, LeBron will visit. Uh, on December 6th, which will be a televised game on TNT. And just another quick little note, it seems that the prognosis so far is that the Cavs will do no better than they did last year. As a reminder, before we get further into it, they were 44-38 and last season. They had a 22-game improvement from the year before, which was the second best in franchise history. That may be why the national media doesn't want to expect that they'll take another leap this coming year, but I kind of hope we do. I hope we win another 10, 12 games on top of that. But uh, as a reminder, you know, we did lose Allen for the last 19 games, which we lost 11 of those games. So I'm excited. I think it's always really cool to find out what games we're going to have to expect for the year it's great to see that we're gonna finally have some televised games nationally is there any early season game that you're anticipating Colin is there something that you're really excited about the first game I noticed off the bat was against Boston on November 2nd it's not their first home game obviously but it's the first home game that month Boston is the Eastern Conference champions and I'm really curious to see how the Cavs play against them the Celtics are a young tough defensive minded team that has a lot of great talent I don't anticipate right now it's gonna get traded away but you never know as of right now it's there and I'm really curious to see how the Cavs react to having the Eastern Conference champions in their house and how they'll make sure that they really show up for that game so that's the game that jumps out to me early in the season do you have a game that's a great choice I'm definitely excited for that game. I'm also excited for the five-game road trip you mentioned earlier that starts the game after the Celtics game. And the game that I want to highlight out of that five-game road trip, because it's going to tell us a lot about where we're at. We're 12 games into the season. That's always the greatest test. 
how do we do on the road trip out west or wherever we go? And this is basically out west. It starts with the Pistons. Um, but I'm excited about the November 11th game, the last game of the road trip. How did we pace ourselves? You know, did we split the games? Did we win more games or lose more games? Where will we be at by that fifth game? If we're playing to our potential, we should have our guys rested well enough to to compete against the Warriors in that game. I'm not going to say we're going to win that game because they're the defending champions and I'm going to give them that respect. But I'm always excited to see the Cavs go into Golden State and test our mettle. And coming into this year, given what they did last season and what I believe we should have been able to do and what we're going to be coming into this year capable of doing, that's going to be an interesting test at the end of that five-game road trip. Some odds makers are predicting the Cavs to finish with a worse record than last season. What are your thoughts? As I mentioned before in my question one answer, we finished 44 and 38 last season. 22 game improvement from the season before. And we understand that the season before had a lot of challenges, always injuries. That's kind of the through point no matter what season you mention. But we did not start the year with Allen. We did not... um, We did not know the makeup of this team at that time. And we came into this season having a better understanding of what we could be. We added Laurie Markkinen. We added a few other pieces, Ricky Rubio. I think that for the average fan and for the casual NBA fan that isn't really paying attention to the Cleveland Cavaliers, especially when there are no nationally televised games and no real interest in ESPN or other networks covering them, even just to talk about how they were doing, during the year. What they achieved seemed like such a leap forward that it seems almost impossible for them to believe that they can match it. So they'll probably somehow plateau a little bit coming into this season because they overachieved last year, where we feel, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but (laughs) I think from everything we've said in all the episodes we've put out, especially about this last season, we underperformed. And that was based on injury. When you lose Colin Sexton 12 games into the regular season, you're already a different team for the rest of the year. You've lost one of your best players, if not the best player at the time. You didn't know that Garland was going to take the leap that he did, and you weren't sure about how Markinen would fit in. You didn't know. So the fact that Sexton went down and we still had the success that we had just goes to show that if we had really been at full strength, I think we would have won 10 more games. But... That seems far-fetched to the average fan because we already overachieved. And I think that's what you're seeing out of these predictions now. I've already pointed out the last 19 games of the season, we lost Allen and we lost 11 of those games. So we lost more than half of the remaining 20 almost games of the year at a time when the East was extremely neck and neck and losing a couple of games was going to mean two or three seeds difference of where you were going to fall. We were flirting with number one for almost a month, and that was around the All-Star break. I think this is an uninformed choice on their part. I think we're going to win 50 games. I think 44 is is not enough. I think we'll be at 50 or slightly above, let's say. 52 games, maybe, if we really overachieve. What do you think? How do you feel about my prediction and, and their prediction overall? I definitely think the folks in Vegas are 
doubting the Cavaliers, and I'm extremely hopeful that the Cavs will prove them wrong. I do think that their record should be closer to what you're thinking. I'm not sure about a specific number yet, only because I kind of want to see some preseason or see at least a little bit of some training camp reports to see some wrinkles from JB, because we know that he's a creative coach and he'll implement his guys in the right place. But everything you laid out there makes complete sense. They lost Sexton. They lost Allen for a period of time. They lost Rubio. (laughs) Garland was hurt with his back for a lot of the season. Everybody gets hurt. Everybody gets injured in the NBA. Everybody plays through it. I understand all of that. But the reason why we're bringing up this stuff, that was in spite of getting into the play-in. And they still performed extremely well. And they were the surprise team of the East. No one expected the Cavaliers to play as well as they did. And basically a month into the season, every NBA writer was completely gobsmacked by how well the Cavaliers were playing. And a lot of it was Garland and Allen and Mobley, but the rest of the players fit there as well. Lowry was considered not an NBA basketball player when he was traded to the Cavs, and the Cavaliers proved that they could take him and use him in a way that actually provided wins. Kevin Love finally was healthy. All of these instances really contributed to the Cavs having a winning season last year. I don't anticipate the Cavs having as rough of a season as they did last year as they will going into this season. There still might be some guys that get banged up, but to have as many dudes as they did last season and still perform that well, I don't think that's going to happen again. And something you and I have consistently talked about is every year that JB has been the head coach, the bench has been getting deeper and deeper and deeper because all these players have been able to contribute. So now... You're having guys like Lamar Stevens playing against second stringers, and he's been an NBA starter at times. Like, he's not a consistent starter, but he has started NBA games. So they all kind of know how to play on the floor together, and they all know what to do, and they know how to trust each other. In addition to that, the Cavs added more talent. They didn't lose any big pieces. We're hoping, knock on wood, that Colin comes back. So you'll have Colin, you'll have uh, Ochai, you'll have Robin Lopez and Neto all helping as well. Those players are just adding to the extra talent. So I agree with you that it should be closer to 50 games. I don't know if it will be exactly that much, but they need to aim closer to 50 games to get into the playoffs. So... I'm hopeful that the Cavs come out and prove the doubters wrong again, because that's something that this young team is going to have to understand that every year they are going to have to do that. Because even when LeBron was here, LeBron was doubted for a lot of the beginning of his first stint here. He wasn't clutch. He didn't know how to perform in the fourth quarter. He was erratic in his decision-making at certain times, everything. And he went through growing pains, but he just had to keep proving over and over again, hey, I'm pretty good at this thing that we call basketball. And I think this young Cavs team is just going to have to keep doing that again. And I'm really hopeful that they'll show up and perform. Yeah, I think that the thing that holds true, at least in my mind, 
is that you can be a successful small market team in the NBA and they're never going to care. Mm-hmm. The media is never going to care. Mm-hmm. They're never going to cover you the way that you would if you're a, a coast team or if you were in Chicago or down south. They care about the destination and they don't appreciate Cleveland. So if you're a great player, they'll just talk about why are you here? They're not going to celebrate that you're doing well here. Mm -hmm. At least that was my experience with LeBron and and so far with Kyrie or any other person that ever showed talent. Why are you in Cleveland? Mm -hmm. The moment that they get the respect that they deserve, it will be to disrespect this place. Right. (laughs) The final seconds. So LeBron resigned with the Lakers. Is Colin Sexton next? I really hope Colin resigns with the Cavs real soon. I'm really sick of waiting. I know that you are as well. We've talked about him constantly, and I really hope they get a deal done soon in the next couple of weeks. You? Team chemistry matters so much. I've got to believe that this is going to hit the morale a little bit because I know that the The guys love Colin, and they see him as a leader. The business has to get out of the way. The business ruins the game. So get this done, and let's start building the team chemistry that we need to have a successful season. Osman and Markinen are having big games for their national teams. Will this impact their place on the Cavs? I think Markkinen, possibly, because I, I don't know if they are sure that they understand what they have or what they can get out of him. So he's still a work in progress, whereas Jetty's been on the team for a while. And if you listen to our podcast, you, <laughs> you probably know what we think his future is with the Cavaliers. But good, good for you, Jetty. I mean, every little bit helps. So, and you know, at the end of the day, we're rooting for you. We just have a hard time seeing you remain on this roster because of the players that they've put around you what do you think yeah i also think you know jetty is playing against the country of georgia so maybe the talent level is a bit different but we know that he's a talented basketball player we know that he can play well but i agree i think that he might be able to find a little more success on a different roster where Markinen just put up like 40 points in his most recent game. So I kind of think that the Cavs might look at him to see what else they could try to unlock in his game in the NBA. And I'm a little hopeful for that. So we'll see. Bleacher Report named Mobley, Garland, and Okoro as the team's three best future prospects. Do you agree? I think that Okoro has the chance to make this an accurate article this season. He really has to step up offensively to really show the rest of the NBA that he is an up-and-coming young star for this Cavs roster, or even an up-and-coming contributor on that end of the floor on a daily basis or on a nightly basis. And But I think that Mobley and Garland have already proven their prospect is the wrong word for them. They're proven commodities in my book. You? Sure, I agree with you. I think that Bleacher Report could have named two or three other guys, too. Mm -hmm. That's the beauty of this team. We've got a ton of great future prospects, and it's still a team of youth. You know, their average is like 24 years old. I mean, frankly, I think Ochai Abaji is going to just 
surprise everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, he alone, I think, is is exciting enough. Okuro, anybody that knows me uh, knows that I believe in the kid, and I think that he has a brighter future than what he's shown so far. He's gotten lost in the mix a little bit on this team especially with him moving to the bench in his sophomore year because they didn't have him start anymore. So, yeah, you could choose just about anybody on this team, but, you know, these three certainly are ones we're, we're looking out for. The Cavs made the play in last season. Do you think they'll go further this year? The sky's the limit for this team. If they can stay healthy and gel and keep the egos off the court, play for each other, the way that they seemed to last season when everything was clicking. The East, I think, has a lot of talent, and it's not necessarily going to be easy. That was one of the things that was a benefit of LeBron's time in the East, that it wasn't nearly as difficult as the West. But nowadays, I think the NBA has done a pretty good job of evening things out between both conferences. The Cavaliers are going to be just as challenged. So I think that Even though I think they're going to win 50, 52 games and they should surprise most people, it'll be an uphill battle. They may only really make the first round of the playoffs. Most people would probably expect that I would say that they'd go further than that. But I truly think that this team deserved to be in the first round last year. They just couldn't get over the the hurdles in their way. So with the talent that they're coming back with, they should easily make the first round. And my hope is that we'd see him in the second round as well. I don't want to get my hopes up further than that because they're still a young team that's figuring it out. And as they get further into the playoffs, they're just going to be seeing things for the first time. It might trip them up. It might take another couple of years to get them to where I want them to be, I guess is the point. I think that they'll go further this year. And more importantly, I think that they understand that they need to go further this year. There isn't pressure in the sense of, People are going to think that they are failures and whatnot, but there is an expectation, I think, for this young team that they are on the precipice of becoming a dominant team in the Eastern Conference. I agree with you. This Eastern Conference is really tough, but right now the Cavs are in a situation where they can show that they are the toughest team in the Eastern Conference. I would put money that they are a team that's just as tough as probably anyone in the East, except maybe Milwaukee and maybe Philadelphia, depending on the night. So I hope this young team really embraces that. And yes, they will get into the actual postseason slash playoffs. Thank you for listening to the Cavaliers Basketball Club podcast. Let's go Cavs!